Hello to all the listeners out there in here. Thank you for tuning into What's the Tease. For today's episode, my guest is the they them yas queen of burlesque, Mix Pucks Plenty. Welcome to the What's the Tease stage, Mix. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You can call me Pucks. Everyone calls me Pucks. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So you currently reside in Seattle, which is where your burlesque journey began when you took the six-week burlesque 101 class presented by Miss Indigo Blue at her Academy of Burlesque. And I think that was around about 2017. Correct. Yeah. 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 So like having a dance background in jazz and ballet, what was the appeal for you in taking up burlesque? So I started like ballet and jazz and tap when I was real young. And um, like when I reached started when I reached puberty, um, I was discouraged from continuing with those um, with those dance forms. And so I didn't do any da- like formal dance um, like after I turned about 11 or 12. Um, but I was just so into into dance. I was obsessed with that movie Strictly Ballroom mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, I mean, I watched Dirty Dancing religiously every day one summer. I watched Grease and Grease 2 on VHS until they fell apart and I had to have new ones, new VHSs purchased as a kid. What I loved about musicals was just like, they'd be at a bowling alley and all of a sudden everyone's dancing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I really wish that real life was like that where you could just take a moment in time and have like, you know, this whole like, let me dance my feelings out and convey a story mm-hmm. and then go back to real life. And burlesque was something that came up on my radar um, almost 12 years ago, but shortly after I had um, my son, mm-hmm. I was going through po- postpartum depression, like really bad. And, you know, I was in a marriage that wasn't the greatest. And I remember trying to breastfeed my son and find something on, on Netflix to watch. And I, um, I saw a documentary called A Wink and a Smile. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, what's that? Tuned into that. And uh, Wink and a Smile is um, this documentary that talks a little bit about burlesque history and where burlesque came from. But really, it's focusing on a group of, of, uh, of women that um, are going through a burlesque program, a six-week program. And it turns out that that program was Miss Indigo Blues Academy of Burlesque. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching this this movie and being like, oh my gosh, like I really want to do that someday at some point. And it would take another like seven years for me to get up the courage to actually do it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned on a talk you gave for Seattle Virtual Pride in 2021 that when you started burlesque, you wish to show yourself as someone other than your child's mother. So how is the creation of Mixed Pucks Plenty a reflection of this? And also what inspired the name? You know, I think that a lot of us get kind of get caught up in our, our everyday lives of being something to other people. And we lose sight of who we are to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, motherhood definitely can do that in, in very visceral ways. Like you become, you're like, you're your kid's caretaker. You're, you know, at some points you're the act, you're providing the actual meal from your body. Like it's a whole thing. And so you, 
your body doesn't really feel like your own or anything like that. And so I, I really just wanted to be someone that was beyond, you know, someone's wife, someone's mom, mm -hmm. someone's child. And so burlesque really gave me an opportunity to focus on something that was for me and me, me only, you know, like I'm going to create this art. Yeah. I'm going to share it with, with an, with an audience, but like, I get to decide the costuming. I get to decide the music. I get to decide the choreography. I get to decide what story I'm going to tell. Mm -hmm. It's very empowering, especially when you feel like you don't know who you are or where you're going or, you know, your identity is so rooted in what you do for others. Mm -hmm. um, I really have seen burlesque as like, it's part of my self care. It's a reminder of like, oh yeah, that's right. I am that bitch. Nice. Mm -hmm. It's good to know. Um, but it really was um, doing this, this program and creating the persona that I realized that I didn't want to actually create, uh, I didn't want to create a character that was separate from who I was. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have a disability, I have borderline personality disorder. And so the idea of creating a, a uh, secondary persona mm -hmm. felt kind of scary for me as someone that um, has really struggled with identity. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, you know what? I need to create a persona that is like me turned up to 11. I like, I, I kind of already live life at like a seven. Mm -hmm. So let's just turn it up just a little bit more. And High frequency, for me, I babe. found, right. <laughs> yeah. I found, I found a lot more, um, stability for, um, like my mental health that way too. And initially I was going to go by um, Kiki the Puck, which mm -hmm. was um, the name that I was using in the kink and um, sex positive leather scene because I actually joined, like got involved in kink and BDSM before I got involved in uh, burlesque. And so I was like, oh, this will be easier. Just kind of keep everything under the, the same brand. Yeah. And um, Makes sense. yeah, I was like, and also I don't want to confuse myself. But then when I was sitting there and kind of thinking about it, like, what if I just took parts of, of that that I like? And what I ended up keeping was this Pucks piece. And then um, a plenty just sounded really, really cute. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that actually sounds really cute. And then like typing, you know, typing in this name that you create online to see, like, does anyone have anything like it? Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really anything else like it out there. So I was like, oh, cool. So it was a way to set myself apart, but a way that also paid honor to my legal name. It pays honor to my kink and BDSM scene name. And at the time I didn't realize what a, what a giant role it was going to play in me coming out as, as non-binary. Mm. Um, it really was through the hyper femininity of, of burlesque that I felt comfortable and safe to come out as non-binary. And so that's how we ended up with using the honorific mix. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like, it's really important to me that people do use the mix when mm -hmm. typing out my full name and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's pretty great. Um, it's pretty great to see so many more non-binary performers, you know, coming out and inviting people into their world um, in the past five years. I mean, there was, there were a lot of us when I got started, but there, I mean, that number has skyrocketed mm -hmm. and it's 
it's uh, incredibly moving when people reach out and they're like, you know, I felt like I was alone and then I saw you out there and it made me feel like I could do this. I could come out and, and be here and, and hold space in this, in this, in this realm, in this, uh, in this art form, in this, um, this industry. And that feels so, so good. It feels really good that people feel comfortable being themselves and, and living their truth. Oh, wow. That's amazing. One of the reasons why I wanted to ask as to the influence behind the name here in the Southern Hemisphere, there is a comedian, I think, I think he's New Zealand. Um, but basically he does like, you know, much like a Catherine Tate kind of thing, has a lot of characters and does skits um, in their show. And one of the characters he portrays is like this Maori um, teenage boy in the school class because he's not allowed to say fuck. He says puck. So he'd be like, you know, mm. oh, miss, puck you, miss. And it's like, you know, Jonah, what, what did you just say to me? And he's like, I said puck, miss, I said puck. So when I learned about your journey and how you discovered, how you were discovering your sexual identity um, through that, and especially through burlesque, I thought, well, this is where maybe this name came from. Because now it's like kind of like no pucks given, but it's like PC, you know? But actually, they've got pucks, pucks aplenty now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really interesting though, because like I didn't really make the connection that my brain works a little bit slow sometimes, and I was just like, oh yeah, pucks rhymes with fucks, that's great, and um, uh, an amazing black boylesker um, named Jet Noir, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, you need to have shirts that say I fucks with pucks, mm. and I'm like, I really should have shirts that say that, you know, and like, it's really great, like the first time someone, you know, looked at me and they were just like, you know, you have no pucks given. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh gosh, I hate puns, but that's so good. <laughs> and so that has been kind of been wrapped up in the, you know, very really early on mm-hmm. in like uh, coming up with like taglines and things like that. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like the they, the, the they, them, yes, queen of burlesque with hashtag no pucks given. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, that's great. And it sounds so good. And it's like, I almost came out the gate I mean, about six months in was when all of this kind of branding kind of started coming together and I started figuring out that, oh yeah, like if you have these things, it creates this mystique for you mm-hmm. in a way. And a year in, I had t-shirts that said hashtag no pucks given on it and people were showing up to shows wearing these shirts, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, I didn't know that, like, it's like, I, you know, I put them on Etsy, we'll see what happens and people were buying them and showing up and really like just into like what pucks represents and Mm -hmm. i'm just like i remind folks all the time like you know pucks is me i am pucks Mm -hmm. and it's like it's it's not a it's not a suit of armor that i put on to Mm -hmm. you know to go on on to stage it's an enhancement to like stuff that i was already doing in a direction that i was already headed headed in and i think about something that uh the goddess brick house says is Mm -hmm. that you know Burlesque is, um, is a vehicle that I'm using for the journey that I am on at this time. Amazing. That thought frame is a great segue into my next question, which is you're known as, as I said in the introduction, the they, them, yes, queen of burlesque. You're also known as the Michelle Obama of burlesque, as well as the femme daddy that your mama did not know to warn you about. 
So I want to know, what traits of your burlesque persona do each of these phrases speak to? Yeah, I mean, the they then yes, queen of burlesque was something that I came up with pretty early on because I really, I really wanted it to be known that I was a non-binary performer without being like a non-binary burlesque performer, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so that was really key initially, and then yes, queen is like paying homage to, you know, the ballroom scene and paying homage to the black queens out here, just like who come up with all of the amazing catchphrases and all of the um what we call out here african-american um you know english vernacular um Mm -hmm. you know or or ebonics or whatever like these things that are so rooted in black american culture and yes queen is so rooted in that Mm -hmm. and was you know appropriated into uh the drag you know into the drag scene and Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's a whole other ball of wax but i really wanted to tip my hat to that and so mm-hmm. that's how we got this day then yes queen and you know also i wanted to be able to embody the the energy of what is it to be a queen as as a as a non-binary person mm-hmm. what does that mean and because um, king doesn't really fit mm-hmm. but queen queen kind of in uh for me kind of in insinuates some um some opulence might might come into play Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Michelle Obama burlesque was came about. There is a, a burlesque performer uh, who used to live in Seattle, who's now based out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Smokey Brown, the slutty clown. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Smokey Brown, the slutty clown. <laughs> uh, good friend of mine who um, in a moment of like she, she had a, like a brain fart on stage and she couldn't remember. She couldn't remember what she was going to say next about me as she was introducing me. And so what comes out is my friend, your friend, the Michelle Obama of burlesque, Nick Pucks of Plenty. And I remember I just started laughing hysterically as like I shuffled that on stage. And uh, so that's how I was gifted that tagline. And so when people ask me like, what, what does that even mean? I'm like, well, you know, Michelle Obama is like, was like probably one of the most active first ladies that we had, we had in um, the U.S. Mm-hmm. She was like, like she had her own her own drive her own like her own stuff and like was you know is a a talented like lawyer in her own right and all these things so it's like this very strong deeply opinionated uh you know badass who like i mean you look at that lady's arms it's like welcome to the gun show like she is just like this tough sexy smart woman who just wants the best for everyone. And so yeah. that's kind of what I embody uh, when I think of, of, you know, what does it mean to be the Michelle Obama of burlesque? It means like, I care about this community. I care about the scene. I care about the industry. I want everyone to be, you know, I want everyone to be the best version of themselves for today. And I don't take, I don't take any shit. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what I am like, what I think about when I, think about that name and maybe why that kind of like subconsciously spilt out of my friend's mouth and then uh the femme daddy that your mother did not know to warn you about you know this is me also embracing um like my sexuality and like my identity as someone that is non-binary but really lives in a femme a femme space um and also like 
no one is safe. I flirt with everyone. It doesn't matter what your what your your gender identity is. It doesn't matter what your sexuality is. I'm just I'm a flirt, and it's it's mm-hmm. um a lot of the times I'm not I'm not even really aware that that is that what I'm saying is coming off as flirty. So it's like hide yeah, your right. kids, hide your wives, hide everybody, um, especially hide your wives. Um, I I am just you know I I'm very flirty, and on stage what his kind of developed I'm not a particularly flexible performer so you're never going to catch me doing like a bunch of floor work you know like I look at the chair and all the acro that folks do on the chair and I'm just like that's not that's not where I'm like that's not what my body can do and Mm -hmm. so the thing that I have really have sat and kind of honed is my ability to eye fuck and (laughs) uh and this the the power of the slow slow burn it's like okay these are the things that my body in its current um, its current configuration can do. And mm-hmm. so just really putting in a lot of time in mastering that. The, you know, moments of stillness is something that I've known for. So being able to just stop and stare at someone and, you know, um, raise an eyebrow, arch an eyebrow mm-hmm. is a, a deep source of power for me as a performer. If me doing mediocre flow work isn't going to get the same result, you know? So it's like um, I stay in my lane as a performer. Um, or oh, as I, what it sounds like to me is that you're just using the great tools that you have at your disposal. Absolutely. To the best of their abilities. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Pax, through learning about yourself in burlesque, you, as you mentioned, came out as non-binary and your earlier burlesque works explored the freedom of identifying outside of the gender binary. So since then, um, what can we expect from a mixed pucks of plenty performance today on a stage? You know, something, something really um, intense and I had two really intense, painful things happen in a very short period of time as a, bur- you know, in my burlesque journey four years ago. So like a year into it, um, my my husband of, of three years uh, left me while I was at my first burlesque festival. He moved out, took all of his stuff while I was gone. I had no clue. Um, and it, you know, it wrecked me. It wrecked mm-hmm. me. And, you know, we have um, this beautiful child we're raising together. Um, I was about to, you know, start my arts nonprofit. Um, mm-hmm. And now I felt like, you know, my family is fractured and it, it was a lot. And uh, so a lot of the art that was created during that time came from this place of really exploring abandonment and Mm -hmm. loss. And then um, in the later part of 2018, beginning of 2019, um, I I joined a a burlesque troupe and I was so excited about being in that troupe. And my intuition was screaming at me the whole time and I could not listen to it that like this was not a safe place for me to be as an artist that Mm -hmm. like you are not like this is not where you need to be but i kept ignoring that and um for a um a year um i was gaslit and my art changed dramatically like i wasn't creating wasn't creating things that resonated with me i was creating things that resonated with what this troupe's brand was and i just never felt like i was really a part of this troupe and it wasn't until the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, so right before the pandemic started, that I landed, I left the troop and mm-hmm. figured out 
I think this, I'm like, I think I know what I want to do. And so the beginning of 2020, an act that had been kind of brewing in my head for a while, finally, I finally was like, let's do it. Let's breathe life into it. And so it, um, this act is known as Nautically Naughty or Sigler Pucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very like pinuppy and very like kind of cheesecakey. It's super cute. Um, lots of nods to like classic burlesque, you know, uh, parade and peel magic. And then it kind of dissolves into this fun neo burlesque. Um, it goes into a song by a lonely island called I'm on a boat. Mm-hmm. And it's just like raunchy and fun and silly. And it really allowed me to like think about how I wanted to bridge glamour, mm-hmm. being like glamorous on stage and like and and making these nods to classic burlesque, but still retain the absolute silliness of like this the silly raunch cheekiness that I really wanted to have. And so, um, that's kind of what has evolved like especially during the pandemic and during the shelter in place out here um having to like shift gears and start creating these more like intimate at home experiences everything was really rooted in um how can i how can i be the most cheeky artist that i can be where people feel butterflies in their stomach and feel like they're seeing something that they shouldn't shouldn't be seeing Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where I've, uh, I have kind of arrived is like, how can I be so disgustingly cute that when I do something that's ridiculously raunchy, that the audience is just like, you know, they're like, what happened? What, what's mm-hmm. going on in a, in, in like the best way possible. And so, you know, we have, uh, so nautically naughty came out of that. There's an act that I do, um, that, um, is a nod to like bossa nova music that's very tongue in cheeky and allows me to do be very glamorous and and do a little you know a little classic movement here and there and then um the most ridiculous thing that has kind of come out of all of this is the um the croissant um <laughs> and the croissant is is like it's it's chef's kiss it's it is um i think it's the culmination of everything that i the making the burlesque that I want to see in the world mm-hmm. is me traipsing around on stage in a giant croissant mm-hmm. uh, with a little tiny whipped cream hair fascinator, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how do you, how do you take some, you take this costume that is so big and, and can feel very gimmicky when I, you know, when I was thinking about it and it, the costume showed up I'm like, Oh crap, how do I make sure that this costume doesn't wear me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I have, I have found this place where like, yeah, like the, the costume on anybody is going to be great. Like, it's going to be awesome. But what can I put into this that feels um, like a complete act and not me resting on um, the wow factor of like, oh, this person's a giant croissant. Mm-hmm. And I think that we see this happen in, in, in burlesque, you know, sometimes where you watch an act and the only thing that you can think of is like, wow, that costume was so beautiful, but you forgot what the performer did because the performer got lost. And so that's kind of been my goal is like, how do I create these pieces that are so that are fantastical and really rooted in like 
glamour and mm-hmm. um and have this like classic tropiness to it that that's what we that's what I want I want the tropiness without it feeling disrespectful like I don't want people to feel like oh Puck's is shitting all over classic burlesque mm-hmm. no but I think that we can all recognize that there are tropes to classic burlesque mm-hmm. and if you know the rules to those tropes mm-hmm. it's you have to know those rules in order to break them yes and break them well yeah and that's I it makes me think about Inga's, you know, Miss Exotic World performance. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's in that beautiful, like, kind of uh, capey dress thing for less than a minute. And then it's off, and she's in pasties and the tiniest underwear, you know, I was just like, were those underwear painted on you? And she's spending <laughs> the majority of the time on the floor taking off a pair of thigh highs. And realistically, if someone pitched that act, you know, and it's just like, this is what I want to do. We'd be like, wait, 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 wait. You got to keep the, you got to keep the fabric flowy thing on longer no. than that. Yeah. Right. So you, in order to break the rules, you have to know what they are. Amazing. Anyway, I, I love all that layered buttery goodness that you're serving up in your performance. Laminated so, that, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Together with Rebecca mm, Davis of the Stay Up Late Show, you co-produce What the Funk Fest in Seattle, an all-funk music, all-BIPOC burlesque festival that occurs over three nights. What transpired beyond just wanting to do a classic burlesque act to a funk song that made you want to take this idea and turn it into an entire festival of its own? You know, the thing about me is when, I, when someone tells me, no, you can't do that, or you shouldn't do that, or like, you know, that's just never been done before. My brain takes that permission to go on ahead and do it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I call it uh, like acts of oppressed pettiness. You know, (laughs) we're just like, ah! Uh, And, you know, I tell folks all the time that I think that like pettiness or spite, like those are emotions, those are feelings. Mm -hmm. And they're not inherently bad. It's what you choose to do next. And how that aligns with like your moral code. Mm-hmm. That's the most important piece. And so the things that I have done out of spite and pettiness aren't meant to hurt people, aren't meant to ridicule people. They're meant to do the things that I know that I need to be doing. Um, mm. And so that is the kind of the way that I move in the world. And so, you know, we did the first, we did the first sh- um, two night show of What the Funk um, after I was told that like funk music doesn't really fit um in our classic burlesque show vibe and i'm like Mm -hmm. okay whatever i'll I'll do something else and so i decided to do two nights of shows different cast each night all funk music and i'm like you know what this particular troupe their shows tend to be like not very diverse and tend to have mostly white um you know skinny performers i'm like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna do all bipoc and i'm gonna make sure that um you know i have body diversity and mm-hmm. so we did, you know, we did these two nights of shows. It was incredible. And on the last night, people were really struggling to leave. Mm-hmm. Like they're really struggling to like pack up their things and, and, and like head home. Mm-hmm. And that does not surprise mm-hmm. me in the slightest. Right. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh man, like, like, you know, like I can't find my stuff. It was just like, they wanted to be back there still. They wanted to be talking and they wanted to be connecting they didn't want the night to end. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can all resonate with this idea of like, 
we, you know, the, 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 the terrible green room experiences, like you don't forget those, right? Mm -hmm. But those super magical green room experiences, those ones where like, you feel like you made friends in that moment. Like, mm -hmm. and it's just like this little, like, lot, like those are the ones that like, they live in our heart. And mm -hmm. so that's what was going on there. People were just like, they, they knew as soon as they walked out of that space that the spell was going to be broken and yes. no one wanted to be the person to do that. And so, um, you know, I said, oh, you know, we should bring this back as a festival because that energy was just, it was palpable. I'm like, I want, I want this to go on. I want this to be a thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I made that, I made that kind of promise out loud. And so that would have been in August of 2018. And in December of 2018, um, I was helping out at a, um, a show in Seattle and uh, Rebecca Davis was in the show and she pulled me aside right before the show started and was just like, hey, how's the festival going? And I'm like, ah, you know, I think it's going okay. I don't, I don't know. And she's like, do you need a co-producer? And I'm like, you know what? I think I do. She's like, I would like to co-produce this with you. And... We've been doing this ever since, you know, and, you know, shout out to the to the aunties of burlesque, to the the mentors out here who they see people doing things and making moves. And instead of like discouraging them or gatekeeping, they yes. step in. And they're just like, I want to see this succeed. I want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. What can, what resources do I have that I can offer you to make this happen? And that's, you know, that act of kindness, that act of, um, of like seeing someone, mm -hmm. I try to pay that forward every chance I get, mm -hmm. um, because it, it changed my life. And so, you know, we, we did, we did the damn thing in 2019. It was incredible. You know, we crowned our grandmaster funk, Torlisha mm -hmm. Divine in, in 2019. We had always planned on taking, um, a break for 2020. Mostly because the, the thing that we encountered in 2019 was that folks really wanted to apply to the festival, but they didn't have a funk act. And so mm -hmm. I was just like, you know what, let's give folks a year after the festival to really let that sink in and mm -hmm. start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we didn't we didn't know that, you know, when we, we crowned our Grandmaster Funk and all of that, we didn't know that what was coming down the pipe. And so when 2020 hit, a lot of weird, you know, weird things happen. The festivals that we had lined up for our Grandmaster Funk 2019 to be in, you know, they they had to cancel, mm -hmm. you know, and like that was heartbreaking, you know, and yeah. like we're watching festival after festival cancel. We're watching all of these things happen. And I remember just thinking, well, we made the right call of not trying to push forward. But one of the things that I was really adamant about during the 2019 festival was, like we need to document this we need to document mm -hmm. this and so um we reached uh, another amazing burlesque babe out here uh vixen valentine was like their like their day job is film and so they got us connected with a documentarian who showed up and documented our festival and uh, put together this beautiful hour and a half long documentary about what the funk 2019 oh, wow. and so we That's have cool. that it's in the can. It's ready to go. It's actually been picked up by uh, the Seattle Queer Film Festival. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and so we're shopping it to other festivals and uh, film festivals and things like that. I think you should shop that to like Netflix. You know, right? 
Yeah. That's the goal, right? Like, there's a, an amazing um, queer um, television company called Reverie. And mm-hmm. we've reached out to them because I'm like, we get it. Let's let's do this. So we're pitching it. I mean, it's it's a beautiful it's such a beautiful documentary. I'm really proud of how it came out, and I'm mm-hmm. just proud of the story it's telling. It's telling a really um, fascinating story about for a lot of the folks that were in that festival. It was like some of them like it was their first festival or their first time being in a festival that was all BIPOC. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's really neat. But um, the festival is just like this three days of shows. We have education. So all of our headliners and our feature performers teach. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a beautiful experience. And our, our first year we were, um, you know, we were still new and kind of filling things out. So our first night was at a, a local bar. And then we had two of our shows at uh, the historic Columbia City Theater, which used to be a vaudeville theater. Mm-hmm. in Seattle and uh and also used to be the only place at one point that you could see black exploitation films from the 70s oh, so it wow. felt like extra perfect to do a funk festival there oh, yeah. and then um you know I want to give a, a big shout out to Miss Indigo Blue who was just like this needs to be at the triple door in downtown Seattle like you need to take it there and um you know through through her she made she made a connection for us she's like let's I'll email let's talk let's figure this out and um, the triple door here in Seattle is like that's it's the first place I ever saw a burlesque show yeah and I remember thinking when I saw that like it's venue to it's to beautiful yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and I was just like oh, I'll never get to be up there you know and so to be to go from like I'll never be able to go be up there 11 mm-hmm. years ago to oh man we produced a whole festival up there uh, wow. you know, and I, I got to walk that stage numerous times and performed on it. You know, it's like, it's, it's wild five mm-hmm. years in and I'm still just like, I, um, you know, I think that there might be some, some misconceptions about me as a, as a performer or me as a person, I'm probably harder on myself than I am on anybody or anything in the world. Cause I'm rooting for everybody, mm-hmm. but like, I'm so hard on myself and I'm not the nicest person to me tell everyone it's like my my boss is a cunt um and i am my boss <laughs> and my boss is not nice to me but my boss loves everyone else so i'm like if you ever if anyone ever gets like this misconception that pucks is really full of themselves a lot of the things that i'm doing is just like it's the things that we're all dealing with in terms of like imposter syndrome and trying mm-hmm. to figure out our place in the world and also just this idea of being almost 40 years old and it taking this long for me to find find the thing that makes me happy um that makes me feel fulfilled as as a as a human being that's a that's such a human place to be (laughs) and like still struggling with that so i'm just like a weird human though like i'm so thrilled for you that you have found um that thing and that it makes you feel that way and that it's also just so successful. It is an ingenious idea. Seattle wasn't on my books until I heard about What the Funk Fest. I was like, okay, now I gotta go to Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> just because like, I wanna experience the whole funk and nothing but the funk. Yes, 
yeah. is a beautiful thing. And <laughs> I will say that the most, one of the most lovely things about it is that the Seattle, Bur the Seattle burlesque community the, and the Portland burlesque community really mm -hmm. show up for it. Um, Amazing. And that's like, you know, for folks who are listening at home, they're trying to figure out how close all of this stuff is. Vancouver, BC is like two and a half hours from Seattle. Mm -hmm. And then Seattle is two and a half hours from Portland. And so, and those scenes are both like, all these scenes are all really vibrant and we can yeah. get to these scenes in, within, within three hours, uh, yeah. which is pretty amazing. And how we all show up for each other and, and, and work in each other's cities and things like that is amazing. The Pacific Northwest is um, like, I think with all burlesque communities, there's um, some rough spots, mm -hmm. um, but it's been really, really brilliant to watch the last five years, especially during the pandemic of like folks coming together and realizing that like, if one of us succeeds, we all can succeed because we're mm -hmm. all out here as ambassadors to not only the entertainment of burlesque, like I think we were all like, yes, burlesque is entertainment, but I am really interested in us talking about burlesque as not only art, but as culture, because mm -hmm. there is a culture to, to this vibrant art form and we should be talking about it more. Uh, so speaking of the cultural vibration to this art form, you are also involved in being the founder and chair of the Seattle Burlesque and Cabaret Association a collaborative venture founded in 2021 that fosters an inclusive, uh, supportive environment for BIPOC and LGBTIAQ plus performing artists. What are the benefits of being able to host these voices in a stable community space like the Give In venue? It's bonkers to me that we have a venue. Like every time I think about Cause like, it. Because like that's the dream, right? Like that's certainly the dream. my dream. It is the dream and like we have it. And like the, the thing is, is that like we took this space on in the middle of the pandemic, like stuff is still raging. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, there are some times where we're all just kind of sitting there and we're just like, what did we do? Why did we do this? What is happening? Mm -hmm. um, but like, I mean, we all watched venues that we love and things like that mm -hmm. shut down during the pandemic and some of them didn't come back and yeah. some of them are not coming back. And so that was part of our motivation of starting the co-op and or starting the association was to be like, okay, if we don't, if we don't step in, like we could lose a cultural space. So yes. let's step in and, and take over this cultural space. And so we have so many big hopes and dreams for the space. It's hard when like the community that you're trying to serve is also like actively in the middle of trying to figure out how to survive. Mm -hmm. in this current climate um but having that space it just it's like we have a home for you mm -hmm. when you're ready to step back out here we're gonna have a stage for you we have classes there uh, we do meetups in the space it's you know it's probably one of the nicer green rooms in seattle um, mm -hmm. i know that we've all been in some whoppers of some green rooms you know where you're just like what yeah there's a urinal next to where i'm <laughs> Yeah, there's a urinal <laughs> next to where I'm putting my eyelashes on. Fun. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're just like, I'm going to stand over the fryer and use it as like a, as like a steam bath <laughs> for my face. Yeah. Um, you know, getting ready in the middle of fields and stuff. Like, we're, we're all used to, yeah. like, some challenging things. So, like, I tell folks all the time, like, the green room is, like, worth everything that we go through. 
but yeah, like, you know, having this space and having, um, this idea of creating, uh, something that is for us by us means that like, like we're, we're preserving our history. We're creating a space for folks to, um, come and create art, come and see art and, and also be like the money that I'm putting into this. I know where it's going. It's going Mm -hmm. into this building and it is going into the hands of, um, of working artists. Mm -hmm. And I think by having, um, having a, a vested interest in a space succeeding so that you could see your burlesque minimum wage rise in your city Mm-hmm. is uh kind of where it's at because like negotiating with these different bars and venues most of the time these venues they're not even paying they're not paying you anything mm-hmm. you know they're like oh well give us 500 dollars and you can use our theater space and we'll provide a sound tech for you mm-hmm. you know and like your performers are still paying for drinks and paying for food when mm-hmm. you're bringing in the patrons yeah to the show um, and just looking at all the different models and things like that and even when you do get a venue to pay pay your performers they're still trying to nickel and dime you mm-hmm. um and if they don't like if they don't like what you're trying to negotiate they'll go out and find burlesque performers that will do you know that will perform for 30 dollars in a drink ticket mm-hmm. you know and like we all know that burlesque isn't necessarily the quickest way to make money mm-hmm. um for sure like you think about how <laughs> much a a costume uh, like a costume costs and yeah. you're just the like, arts in general oh. <laughs> Kind of yeah, yeah, right. But like, working with these venues and like starting to figure out like, what are they making on drink sales off of us? Yep. Like all of that, and so like now being in that position to be like, okay, how much are we going to charge for drinks in this space? What are we going to do to make this work? I'm just interested in building something that outlives me. Mm-hmm. Um, the out, you know, and so. That is what the Seattle Burlesque and Cabaret Association is for me. Is like this is a way for me to leave something in this community, uh, you know. After my body gives out and after I'm long, yeah. long gone, you know that like we did this thing. We all came together and and did this. And I mean, I won't paint any pictures and be like it's been the easiest thing. Mm. It has not. It is very challenging. It's difficult. We have a really big board, mm-hmm. um, and everyone has. Uh, very fun opinions and so it's you know coming coming together <laughs> to put. Uh, right <laughs> coming together to compromise and figure out what the best course of action is you know it can be difficult but i feel like it's i mean every day it's it's it is worth it um and so like, for folks right for folks listening at home right that like if you're looking at your community and you're just like we're tired of seeing spaces disappear and stuff like that start poking around um and seeing like what spaces are available what could be built out if you guys come together and create a hub space mm-hmm. it's gonna be lit like it's gonna be so good um i really feel like that's where our power our power can really shine um is coming together uh, forming alliances and uh start getting into this uh real estate leasing game like how much would it cost to purchase a space? How much would it cost to lease a space in mm-hmm. a group? Um, mm-hmm. And really think about that. Cause I, that's, I think we're like the majority of our power and like decision-making for people, unfortunately comes from land ownership or like 
some type of asset in terms of like, oh, we have a space that we're leasing. So something to think about on top of all the other things that we do as our own costumers and choreographers. <laughs> and, yes. You know, but yeah. I mean, Pucks, like, I just want to take my hat off and salute you for that kind of work. And like, that has been um, my kind of life's work as well is to make community and make space for community, especially in, you know, my world, which is POC, which is queer women, which is LGBTIQ plus, and, you know, in niche art forms like burlesque, drag, and the fact that you have gone out there and you have found community to like engage with and come together to to find a, a space, a place where you can all just create like I salute you for that work. And also, you know, sometimes it's hard to like keep your own fire going for a dream. But like I thank you for like just fanning the flames once again for for someone like myself. I'm um, just speaking. Yeah, like truly like. Okay, just keep going. Yes, I feel yeah. I feel inspired uh, and reinvigorated again just because of seeing your journey with the fact that you went out there, you're doing it. Yes, it's hard. We know it's going to be hard, but you continue to do it. It's amazing. Like, just, I salute you. I appreciate that. It's hard. It's sometimes you feel like, why are you doing this? This is thankless. Um, <laughs> like, it's so thankless sometimes. Um, but, mm. like, it's like, well, I'm feeling called to it. I call myself yes. a manifester. I have these ideas and I'm like, let's, how do we manifest these? How do we get these going? And I had a really beautiful conversation with, with someone that you um, have had on your show before, Gigi Holiday, who is just yes. like, this person is like, they are the tits. They are incredible. Yes. Um, and we were talking, I, I like, you know, when I appeared on the list at number 17, mm -hmm. I freaked out. I freaked out real hard. Um, <laughs> in a like like at first like it was like very happy and then it became like very doom and gloom and I was so sad and just really overwhelmed by it and so like I messaged Gigi and I'm like can I book a consultation with you I want to talk to you and she's like sure and I'm just like how how do you do like how like as like as a yeah how like what happens when you appear on this list what is mm -hmm. the you know and um because like I was left with a really interesting negative advice from not even negative advice it's more like just like a, a statement that Miss um, Indigo Blue told me like the day I got on the list is that that list means everything and nothing at the same time it's what you choose to do with it mm -hmm. and you know talking to Gigi I'm just like what like you know like you know you debuted on the list and then and then you bounced even higher mm -hmm. um, like and you know she goes you know she said something about like you know this the target that you had on your back gets bigger mm -hmm. as you um, start to grow and people start to actually see you and you're being recognized for your work. And she goes, and it's, it's really sad. People shoot the messenger a lot, you know, and I'm like, Ooh, and sometimes it can, if it, it can feel a little like that or, um, or people kind of staring at you and being like, why are you on the list? And so I try to remind folks all the time. I'm like, that list is not, most influential burlesque performer it's most influential burlesque figure mm -hmm. and my contribution to burlesque yeah i perform but my contribution to burlesque has been in various different different things and it's been this my festival um mm -hmm. it's been um we're gonna we're gonna take over a venue we're gonna do this um it's 
my work is really varied and it's not because part of it's because I, I, I'm getting older, my body is deteriorating and I don't know how much longer I can personally be on stage. And so I have started to really look at like, how can I continue to give to give to and be a part of this mm-hmm. if my body won't let me. And so it's been through producing and creating space and holding space. We started a school, so we have the Show Them uh, Burlesque Basics, which is um, a burlesque school that's rooted in uh, black and fat liberation um, ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be black or fat to <laughs> do the program. Just know that we're going to talk about blackness and fatness um, mm-hmm. just as much as we're going to talk about, you know, um, all of the all of the classic white performers that we all talk about when we learn about the history of burlesque. I'm like, we're going to talk about, we'll, we'll touch on those folks. We're also going to talk about the contributions of marginalized identities in burlesque. And we had our first cohort graduate this May. Mm-hmm. We had 10 students. 80% of my, uh, our class was BIPOC. Mm-hmm. And uh, I co-facilitate um, our, our eight-week program with uh, Lavish Leone, who um, got started in burlesque uh, about a year or so after I did, and uh, was just recently crowned the Imperial Miss Gay Washington oh, here wow. in Seattle. Uh, yeah, like just phenomenal. If, if y'all look up the the the, the Leone sisters listening at home, Demonica Leone and Lavish Leone are ridiculous. They're amazing, um, super, like just super folks. And uh, they dabble in, uh, they do burlesque, but they also are like drag queens and drag kings. So they do it all. Mm-hmm. Get, cool. you, get you someone that does everything. Um, yeah. But it's been really incredible to um, build community with these badass, unapologetically black burlesque performers who... Um, they're not driven just by like the stage time that they get, but the stages and the opportunities that they can create for other people. Surround yourself with the people that believe in what you're doing and are doing things that align with like your code of ethics and your integrity. And like sky is literally the limit. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> mm-hmm. So Pucks, to wrap us up, I know that you are one busy, busy human. You co-host the podcast Sexualities, and you're also one of the producers behind FatCon 2023. So with so much on your plate, what do you have coming up that you'd like us to pay particular attention to? So, you know, we got What the Funk coming up in August, but the next, like, big couple of things that I think I can, yeah, I can talk about them now. What the Funk is uh, heading down to Atlanta, Georgia in December. Uh, and we're doing a, uh, a weekend with What the Funk. And so we'll be bringing in some of our, some of our favorite performers um, from the festival and joining forces with Metropolitan uh, Dance Studio in uh, Atlanta to um, have a full weekend experience. It'll have classes, there'll be shows, and uh, we might even do like a sneak peek of the documentary down there for people. So. That's happening, and then um, yeah, it's gonna be dope. And then January, the first weekend in January, January sixth, seventh, and eighth of twenty twenty three, 
Fat Less Fest Northwest is happening in Seattle. So what we've decided is FatCon is going to be coming around in 2024. And so to get prepared for FatCon, we are going to uh, have a burlesque festival as a way to raise some funds for FatCon to make sure FatCon happens. Mm -hmm. And um, the festival is going to be incredible. So our, our headliners for Fatless uh, Fest are going to be the Goddess Brick House, mm-hmm. Alada Boutte, Diva Rose mm-hmm. from Minneapolis, Minnesota, y'all, yes. next level. And then we also have the incredible uh, Jezebel Express from New York. Yes. And our MCs are going to be Rebecca mm, Davis mm. and uh, Fancy Feast. Mm. So it's going to be incredible. Uh, and I just want to do like a big shout out to the Hotel Crocodile here in Seattle. Um, they are going to be the host uh, for our performers who are in town. Uh, they, uh, the Crocodile is an incredible arts venue, live music, entertainment venue uh, here in Seattle that during the pandemic actually moved into a space that has a hotel mm-hmm. in it now, which is incredible. And they have three different performance spaces. And so uh, the first two nights of our festival will be at the Triple Door. And then the third uh, day will be at one of the Crocodiles venues, which is called Madame Lou's. And Madame Lou has a, holds a special place in, in my heart. She was the uh, Seattle Madam that saved Seattle from financial ruin with her brothels. <laughs> and um, I just love Sounds y'all. Like look my up the story. Of, <laughs> yes, look up the story of Madame Lou Graham. She was incredible. Um, at, they said at one point there was more more politics and business were happening in her brothels than in City Hall. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Also, Fat Lisk Fist sounds like it's gonna be lit with that lineup. Yes, it's gonna be incredible. So uh, applications are gonna go up pretty soon for uh, Fat Less Fest. So make sure that you are following Fat Less on um, on Instagram for sure so you learn more about it. But mm-hmm. I'm just, so I'm so excited. One of the things that, you know, folks who are out here who are producing and wanna create large scale events, I cannot stress enough, partnership, partnership, partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach out to, reach out to businesses that you, that may not necessarily you think are burlesque um, adjacent mm-hmm. because you'll be surprised at how many folks are just like, oh yeah, we wanna, we may not be able to give you money, but we can do this or we can do that for you. So we can definitely make a lot of really fun things happen with, uh, with the right partnerships. Awesome. So Pucks, where and how would you like us to support and follow the work that you do? Instagram is going to be the best bet. So I, I, um, Gosh, Linktree is the greatest thing to ever I be know, invented. Right? I love Linktree. Um, and so I try to keep the Linktree um, updated with everything that's happening. But yeah, follow me at uh, Pucksaplenty on Instagram. You can also follow What the Funk at What the Funk Fest. And um, if you're interested in more of like the sex education side of things that I do and things like that, you can follow um, me at The Hedonist Realist on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Instagram is the best because like those link trees are incredible. And if you're like, wow, like I really want to talk to Pucks, I do consultations um, surrounding like the business of burlesque and branding. I write bios. There are so many incredible performers that have bios that don't sell you the way that you deserve to be sold. So 
um, definitely reach out. I am more than glad to talk to you about your bio and help uh, give it a little facelift. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm out here. I love talking about burlesque. So if you're just like, I want to talk about burlesque with pucks, get on my schedule. Let's do it. <laughs> See, pucks are plenty forever giving back. Absolutely. So thank you, Mixed Pucks of Plenty, for joining me on this episode of What's the Tease. It has been enlightening and an absolute blast. Yay. I, I have loved this. The questions that you've asked are incredible. Thank you. Ah, thank you so much. That means the world to me.